in North Carolina, which is the new tech hub in the East, on the East Coast, I should say. Yeah, new tech yeah. hub for, for the world. <laughs> well, let's let's keep it to the yes for now. <laughs> how, how long have you been there? Were you ever in Canada or, or you always been? No, uh, we used to live in Michigan before and we've moved to North Carolina about seven years ago. But wow. I am originally from Austria, so I'm basically emigrated maybe 15 years ago into the U.S. Oh, wow. Interesting. And yeah. do, you like, uh, do you like Raleigh? I like Raleigh. It's very peaceful. It feels mm. really like laid back and uh, it's quite diverse, which I like. And it's big, it's all spread out widely. So there's lots of trees, lots of trees, lots oh, of yeah. big parks. So that's beautiful. I like, I like nature. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. We just moved. Uh, we lived. So I've typically lived in a city or a suburb of a city where it's been pretty tight. But we just recently moved in May, I guess. Uh, outside of Austin, Texas, so about 20, 30 minutes outside, and, and it's kind of in the, it's kind of in the country. I mean, we're in a neighborhood, but they're they're big uh -huh. lots, and it's there's a lot of nature. But like, there's not a morning we don't wake up to like a dozen deer in the front yard. Beautiful. Yeah. So we, I'm with you. I like the trees and the quiet. Yes, and Austin is of course the tech hub, or one of the tech hubs, I should say. Right? That's what they say. The price of living here certainly uh, validates that. Reflects that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I've heard. I've heard. All right. Twice you ready? Uh, yeah. You ready to jump in? Yes, sir. All right. Let's do it. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right. Hi, howdy, and hello. Welcome, everybody, to the Recruiting Community Podcast, where we're meeting each week with a recruiting leader and industry expert or a personality to talk about what's top of mind for them and within our Career Crossroads community of now over 5,000 recruiting professionals. So if you didn't already know, uh, CXR is a community of TA pros from around the world at organizations that, on average, uh, hire between 2,000 and 200,000 people a year each. Uh, and where we work to connect with those leaders and practitioners, both live and online, uh, to talk about what's keeping them up at night, big victories, big defeats, uh, what's ahead and what they're working on. So this show streams mostly live uh, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, cxr.org podcast. And that's also where you'll find the archive of hundreds of our previous uh, episodes uh, and where you can tune in actually to find out who's ahead, right? Who's ahead, who's next uh, on the slate. So if you're joining us live on any of our social channels, I want to remind you, you can actually be part of the show. It's super easy. Drop a comment uh, or a question uh, during our broadcast into the chat, and we'll do our best to pull you up on stage uh, and address your submission. Now, you're also invited to drop in any social profile links that you have you want to share uh, to sort of expand your network and meet with other listeners. So don't be shy on either of those fronts. Now, we recognize uh, that our community of listeners are working. Uh, so we do our best to keep the show relatively short, uh, and we can do that because we don't have any sponsors or supported posts or comments. That means that if we're talking about something cool or a hot topic, it's because we think it's cool or that it's a hot topic and that you might want to know about it, not because somebody paid us uh, or, or paid us to ask you to even check it out. So with that, uh, I'm pleased to introduce our guest 
uh, for the next 20 minutes or so, Dr. Andrea Derler. Andrea is the principal research and value over at Vizier. Vizier obviously being one of the most uh, recognized leaders in people, analytics, and data. I want to welcome you to the show. Dr. Andrea, how are you? Thank you, Chris. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to be here. Please call me Andrea. And, not Dr. Andrea. You just just no. Andrea. <laughs> plenty. I, I would nice go by Doc, I would go by Dr. Chris if I was a doctor. If I oh. had a PhD. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> so look for those. Yeah, for those who may not know you, Andrea, uh, why don't why don't you kind of give us an escalator pitch? Like, who is Andrea Driller? Like, wh like, why should we care what you have to say today? Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Chris. Well, I describe myself as I study the humans behind the data. I think that's that's my slogan. What I mean by that is Vizier's community data is 15 million employee records strong. And I have the big pleasure uh, of working with a team of data scientists to really see what are the behavioral trends of employees, of workers in these data. And so we are, can answer questions such as, is the great resignation actually true? Or uh, are people more hiring internally versus externally? Or what did DNI do for you know, gender pay equity, for example? So I study humans behind data. If you remember that, you know a lot about me. Well, I love that. So, can are you gonna you're gonna tell us that quiet quitting is not really a thing, and we can all we can all stop paying attention to that, <laughs> uh, right? That's gonna be our headline. <laughs> I think it is a thing. Uh, it's an interesting discussion, but it's probably more uh, a discussion that we were looking for over the summer, whilst we're looking for the next big story. The the quiet quitting um, is an interesting component because it's sometimes divided into the generational differences. You know, some people think this only applies to the young people, but they traditionally always have a, a relatively bad reputation. They're leaving earlier. They're, you know, changing jobs much quicker. But I think this is a, a burnout issue more than anything. Uh, we're just really done with working 80-hour weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, we're done with uh, being the powerless little employees. So quiet quitting really refers to, to, to really a trend to say, no, I'll need my work-life balance. I do want to do good work, um, but no, we have a certain hour in the week and that's it. It's kind of the next generational headline battle because it happens, I mean, it happens every so often, right? Gen Xers this, boomers that. So yeah. now we have the quiet quitting and the quiet hiring and the quiet firing and it's all, it's all a little bit of a mess. It's not, it's not why we ask you to come in today to, to catch up with us, but it, it mm -hmm. is kind of an interesting headline baity topic of discussion that's kind of fascinating. It reflects certainly a, a big ch change and shift in how employees, uh, you know, have a relationship with their employers and their mm -hmm. companies. Uh, traditionally, you know, employees, workers used to be the, the powerless many, but I think in the last 10 years and technology certainly helped, we've become the emancipated employees. We have more information about our companies, about our data, go to Glassdoor, go to, you know, Fishbowl. Uh, we can comment, we can make demands. We can say we don't want to work from the office. We actually want to work from home. Uh, mm -hmm. If everybody always listens, that's a different question, but I think the voice of the employees is much louder now and Quite quitting could be part of that. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's talk about it. you talk about stuff that's going on the last you know X amount of years. Let's let's jump into pay transparency, right? And and I want to talk to you. I think you've got some stuff you're going to share with us today. But my question for you, I guess, is Andrew, what what do you think? Like, how has the issue of pay transparency really changed in just the last two or three years? 
It fascinates me that the pay transparency conversation really starts with a conversation on transparency itself. So that came up when the pandemic started and organizational leaders were not always really transparent of how the pandemic would affect employees, mm -hmm. right? It was very hard for them. They're very uncertain in, in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so that demand for, we need to know more, like how does the pandemic affect my job, my role, uh, was clear in some organizations <laughs> who did it really well. <clears throat> but wasn't so clear in others. So uh, just really interest and also uh, the need for certainty was very prevalent during the pandemic. Uh, the pay transparency topic then came up because of course people have you know begun to talk about their own wages. That was spurred again by the fact that we know the talent market's hot. Do new employees really always earn more than others, like the ones who have been with the company for a long time? So that topic led into, I actually want to know what I'm going to earn. I actually want to know what's my potential in the next role. And so it's a, it's multifaceted. Um, it reflects, again, a change in attitude in terms of, um, you know, I want to know, please, company, tell me. Now, where will I be? What role will I play? Yeah. How much uh, will I be paid? So it's a whole shift that, that really certainly intensified over the last three years. Yeah, it is interesting because I do remember conversations years ago, not not too many years ago, with people who were saying, like, the best, the best way to beat a 3% annual increase, if you were lucky, if you were an exceeds expectation, maybe you got a 3% increase. Yeah. Best way to beat that is just leave, go somewhere else and get a 20% pay hike. We found in our newest research on boomerang employees, right? Rehires, those who come back, like they resign, go someplace yep. else, come back, actually have an average pay increase of 20 to 25%. Compare that to the, in our database, 5% that we found for those who've stayed. So huge differences now. And that spurs a lot of conversations, again, around transparency, yep. but also around like, what value does an employee bring as they are being retained by the company versus those who are being like uh, the new flashy external hires? So big discussions there. Yeah. And Andrew, do you think organizations are getting smarter or, or more savvy around this transparency? Because I will tell you, we've got about 130 member companies in our organization. They're, they're typically, you know, by and large, enter enterprise sized organizations. And they were not happy initially with Indeed throwing estimated pay ranges on their job postings. Not happy because typically it was off or they weren't ready or 800 reasons of politics internally that, that the leaders were having to deal with and wrestle with. Like, what, What's it look like from your end of all of that data from an employer standpoint? Are they getting smarter? Are they getting savvy? Or are they just saying, fine, screw it. Here's the salary. Let's go. I think that really depends on the culture of the organization. There's not any one statement that we can make across organizations or industries. Uh, Mercer Research tells us that only 17% of organizations actually practice pay transparency. Uh, I've seen weird examples of companies who, uh, who, who are open about the job posting and give a range of $80,000 to $230,000 a year. <laughs> so it's short, a small range inside <laughs> that band. That's quite a pay Exactly. Band. So it's not really helping, but I think there is a, a lot of implications for managers, hiring managers, and how to have that conversation. But it's also a cultural thing. It goes back to, again, how transparent do we want to be as an organization across various topics, not just transparency in terms of pay, but also transparency in terms of our DI efforts. Right? How open mm. are we to talk about those numbers that we have in our company and what are we doing you know, about them? Well, do, you, do you think that culture is currently the biggest challenge around the topic of pay transparency at the moment? Or would you would you assign that to something else? 
Uh, I mean, culture is always an issue. I mean, if things don't go so well, and currently, mm -hmm. because we had so many shifts in workforces, also leaders started to, you know, resign more often. Manager turnover is higher, uh, and so that always is disruptive for any particular culture. Uh, I, I do believe it is certainly a matter of, you know, commitment to a certain cause. If the senior leadership determines we do want to be more transparent, because we know we're gonna, you know, be a talent magnet for the top talent, yeah. and transparency helps. That's something that they need to decide, but strategically and helping those hiring managers actually deal with it every day in those everyday conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, you know, it's easy to say it's no small feat to sort of be in the trenches and have those conversations yeah. at the leadership level. Um, but you guys, Andrew, I want to call out you, you guys over at Vizier are doing some research. You've just published a report. Do you want to, um, do you want to share a little bit about, I think I have it on the screen. I can throw it up. If you want to share a little bit about what's within that, that pay transparency secret should it be a secret report you're working on? Happy to, certainly not a secret report. And thank you for sharing <laughs> with the audience. The report <laughs> itself is not a secret. <laughs> it was uh, based on the survey. And thank you for all of you who download this report. Uh, of course, it's a free report. We've, we wanted to know how uh, interested are employees out there actually in uh, pay transparency? Do they want to know? And we found that they, overall they do want to know. Um, there's a generational gap. So we found that uh, younger generations are even more keen on wanting to understand what their peers uh, make in terms of salary versus them. So there's a generational uh, difference in terms of, you know, that this is, has to do with history. You know, when I was really young, you wouldn't talk about your personal salary. You just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, what we found interesting, though, for um, this audience certainly is that when in the application process, 50% of candidates have actually withdrawn themselves from consideration when they learned the salary later on. So I wonder how much time we could save our talent acquisition professionals and our hiring managers in terms of should we really go there even if the candidate doesn't even know the salary. So in terms of efficiency, it could be helpful to be more transparent at the outset, to, to you know have a salary range, not one of $150,000, uh, but posted yeah. somewhere. Um, so we found that, I mean, uh, one thing I wanna mention is that it is for certain populations much harder to know the salaries in their organizations. Mm -hmm. Women traditionally have been less informed about salary ranges. We don't know really why that is yet. Maybe, again, a cultural uh, or maybe industry component there. Uh, so we do want to certainly open up knowledge and information to wider populations uh, of candidates, of applicants, of employees. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I mean, you talk about, I, I remember back when um, you were literally told not to talk about your salary. Yeah. Like it was, it was punishable. Like there, there yeah. were repercussions if you were found to be talking about your salary. And I look back now and that's, that's so silly. Like I, I get from an employer standpoint, that fear of like, well, I paid so-and-so this and I paid so-and-so that. But if we can't have the conversation around why we paid somebody what we paid them, it, it brings the whole, the whole process, you know, under scrutiny, under question. I agree. I think it actually is a function of us having a really hard time sometimes determining what value an employee can bring and how we yeah. measure performance. If we're not clear about what mean what it means to be uh, showing up as an employee who you know, you know delivers uh, is productive is engaged, it's really hard to pin down and compare, uh, and actually say well that's really brings value to the organization. I think that's one of the reasons why this is so difficult. That many organizations are still struggling with setting those goals, being really clear about expectations for the role, uh, and then they add you know into the mix not talking about salary so much or even you're right um, sometimes you know. Not not permitting employees to do that and mm -hmm. that doesn't help 
and being clear of that clearly tells me as an employee how I can add value and how I'm going to be compensated for that. Yeah, for sure. Are you, um, are you seeing anything in your research? I know what, what we see is, is more of a high level and, and oftentimes anecdotal when we talk to our leaders. Uh, but are you seeing anything in your research that, that there is a shift coming in these organizations that are posting jobs that say, you know, they're giving the salary or they're posting a job and saying in all, in all states except this state or only in this state to try to skirt some of the requirements to list uh, salary in, in like New York City, for instance, or, or other states that have adopted that? We don't have any. I think it's too early to tell. Yeah. This is a recent movement. I would say we probably have to wait another year or so to really do a proper research into the field in terms of uh, has there been a difference being made. There are certainly benefits of higher transparency. We are hoping that certainly uh, certain populations will have more, again, transparency into the roles and have more knowledge and be able to negotiate their roles better. There's obviously also the concern around pay compression, again, popping up through transparency, right? Yep. If yep. you have to, in a hot talent market, you know, have to pay a little bit more for, for new hires, otherwise you're just struggling to hire at all. Uh, what does this do to existing hires? We talked about this just before. Uh, I think it's too early to tell. I mean, me as a researcher, I'll always tell you, let's wait a little and then research. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's all good. I mean, one of the things that, you know, when this early days, years ago, when this really started to come up and, and garner a lot of attention, one of the questions, that, you know, Jerry and I were asking was like, well, if, if you are bullish on sharing, like if you're in the recruiting organization, you're bullish on sort of sharing what these uh, rates of pay are, these pay bans in your roles, how are you handling the equity, the internal equity issue, right? That you, yeah. that you sort of mentioned. And we've seen some organizations do an annual equity analysis internally and give people bumps to try to keep them competitive markets. But a lot of organizations, and I think it was, um, well, I won't call them out because I'm not sure I'm remembering the, at the moment, right? I'm on my second cup of coffee, so my memory's not where it's <laughs> be yet. But there were some organizations saying, look, it's, it's gonna take us six years to get internal equity uh, to that front. Right. And so I'm wondering if, you know, a lot of organizations are still struggling with that or if they're kind of just, you know, doing that lowest common denominator thing and trying to ride this out to really see where it goes. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing anything on that front? Uh, yes, I've, I've observed a couple of companies and one of them is actually uh, out there publicly. So I can mention them is Barilla. They worked on pay equity for four years. Uh, uh, they were really, really keen on actually, you know, creating page and you know equity pay, pay mm -hmm. equity for between trenders and ethnicities in the US. Uh, and they did achieve that, but it was a, a very data-informed process. It took a lot of commitment from the senior leaders in the organization who said we really want to do this. We don't want you know an unequal pay. Uh, again, it call it calls for lots of conversations around what does what value um, how can we determine value and uh, don't just go by job role and position but really understand how somebody in, in a, maybe in a lower role even can provide enormous value and really should not be suffer off inequities in terms of their pay. But it, it usually takes a very data-oriented, data-informed and very committed uh, effort throughout the organization, not just HR. This does not just sit in HR. Mm -hmm. This sits in the business because there is clear business value. Um, so there are examples slowly popping up that we're learning about. But again, if you admit to, that there is an issue, that's the first step to do that. Do we see pay inequity in our organization across levels? And you need data to do that. 
Yeah, and I do think that some organizations and leaders who've really gone all in on this are beginning to see a competitive advantage, right? There's a differentiator because people know what to expect. And to be able to account for such a significant percentage of people dropping out of the applied process or the interview phase once they understand the pay range, I think it's mm -hmm. got to be pretty telling to the organizations yeah. who are suffering from that, right? Their drop-off yeah. has, has shifted to where a different part of that conversation is taking and whose time did they waste you know, outside of their own, right? And then their hiring managers and the interview process, you know, keeping that a secret. I think that's part of it. Uh, at the beginning, uh, Chris, we talked about like, where's this conversation actually coming from? And the transparency mm -hmm. starts with around the role. We've seen this boomerang trend where people leave organizations, go to a different company, are really upset and frustrated at their new company, and then come back. That's a really uh, an interesting phenomenon. And this tells us that it's not just about pay, because usually they are getting paid more in this other company. So it's more about what do I expect from you? How do you, um, you know, how will you be able to provide value to our organization? How do we onboard you? How do we really care for you and want to engage you? So the conversation around transparency goes wider than just pay. Pay is a critical part, but I feel it's more around clarity of mm -hmm. role, of engagement, of expectations that really plays a big role. Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, Andrea, let me ask you. Uh, we ask everybody as we sort of start to wrap up the show. Uh, if you were going to author, and somebody surprised me last time by telling me they are authoring a book, but if you are going to author a book uh, around this topic of transparency and the trends that you're seeing today, what would you what would you title that book? It would be around the, the, the matter of transparency. Let me think about that good title. I would probably something provocative such as, uh, why don't you just tell them? Okay, I like that. Why don't you just <laughs> tell them? <laughs> All right, so Andrea... Who gets the first signed copy of your book? Why don't you just tell them? Well, obviously, it's going to be you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever gets the <laughs> <laughs> oh, Of course. Well, it's very generous of you. It's very nice of you. Look, uh, we, Andrew, we are super, super pleased to have you on the show. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, I know you've got a super busy schedule, and we appreciate you making time uh, to connect with us and sort of share a little bit. Uh, we threw your LinkedIn profile up there if anybody wants anything. Uh, to connect with you, obviously, it's easy to do on LinkedIn. And then I think we also yeah. did the hello.vizier.com slash, I got to look, I'm cheating, pay-transparency. Uh, that link's in the chat. And we also threw that up on the screen if they want more information. Uh, th thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in the green room. Is that okay? And thank you. It was a great conversation. Thanks all. <laughs> We're glad you're here. We look forward to having you back. Hang out. Don't go anywhere yet. I'm just going to bump you for a second. All right, I'm going to throw this up on the screen for everybody really quickly just to walk you through that. Obviously, this is what's happened today, but I just want to let you know, if you go to cxr.org slash events, you can see what's coming next. We've got an operations meeting coming up. Now, that's tomorrow, and that's for our members where we're talking about recruiting operations, all things going on behind the scenes, uh, the muscle of talent acquisition, as we like to say. Uh, we have a women in leadership session coming up. We're super excited about this. We do these once a month, part of our lecture. Some are open to uh, alumni, obviously some are open uh, just to our members, but we do those monthly and coming up, we're super excited. Leadership Secrets of the World's Most Successful Women. And then, of course, right behind that, got a couple of more. Uh, Maury Hannigan is a solution spotlight for our members talking about Spark Start. Following that on the podcast, coming up on the 27th, we got our own Rob Dromgul, who's going to talk to us about high volume recruiting. And then, of course, on September 28th, we've got our EMEA Q3 
community meeting. You are not going to want to miss that uh, if you are a CXR member. And I got to tell you what, I'm feeling pretty generous today. So if you are a CXR member and you're coming to the EMEA recruiting member, we're going to let you bring a friend. Uh, so go ahead and sign up and bring somebody. You can bring a plus one. They don't have to be a member. Uh, and we'll welcome them in for that meeting. It's about a 45-minute call where we're talking about what's top of mind outside of North America, primarily over in EMEA, and the work that's going on there. And until then, we're going to see everybody next week. Don't forget, cxr.works slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Oh,